OTB GAA. And all of a sudden, you know, Kerry are totally up. They never, ever got a chance to build again after they got a score. And that was down to Cluxon and the movement outside. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Now then, you're welcome along. So we're busy this evening. We have lots going on. Wednesday night rugby amongst the pieces uh, back. It's that time of year. Ireland play Italy. Eight o'clock kickoff at the Aviva Stadium. So Fiona Hayes and Rory O'Connor will join us. We'll be talking about the US soccer team over at the World Cup who are struggling, it seems. And they're against Sweden in the round of 16. And they've gone from being the team to beat to looking very, very vulnerable. So uh, we'll be crossing over stateside to hear about that. And then... I guess we knew it was coming, but Katie Taylor is once again going to get into the ring. It's going to be on November the 25th against Chantel Cameron for a rematch. So Gavin Casey is going to join us to chat about the ramifications there. Michael McCarthy here in the studio. Hello. How are you, Joe? 53106, the text number. We're at Off The Ball on Twitter. We have Richie McCormick with us as ever. Hello to you. Gentlemen, how are you? Very well. So Ireland, Italy, 8 o'clock Saturday evening. I always imagine these warm-up games as middle of the day no atmosphere but they're going for 8 o'clock I don't think I actually, do you know what when you said the time out. there it was exactly my thought yeah. was that there's something about the you know it's always mid-afternoon yeah. um, I, I remember Ireland playing France away somewhere in the south of France one summer and that was an evening game and it was much better it was the most memorable uh, warm-up game that I can remember purely mm. because of that Ireland wore a white jersey that night Yeah. Uh, but other than that I remember they all blend into each other as being these are annoying games <laughs> in oh, my memory the worst <laughs> so they play uh, Italy on Saturday 8 o'clock then they go off to Portugal for a week yeah. which right now sounds like a bloody nice idea this weather absolutely yeah well once it's cooled down a little bit in the in the Portugal uh, was okay no? region, was it it was always okay I, was I it? don't know I mean, I it, never, it never made the headlines let's face it yeah Greece is more of an Atlantic breeze yeah yeah so uh, they'll dodge what I'm presuming next week will be seven days straight of rain it usually is, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I haven't. I've stopped checking the weather. I just I know it's going to rain. I don't like always uh, like bringing my kids into things, but it's just it is. A, it, it's a very good way of measuring how bad things are in terms of the weather because my one-year-old who's learning to talk, yeah. and at the moment his his word for rain is rain again. Yes, <laughs> that's what he looks out the window and goes rain again. <laughs> and you, when you're that age and the summer's a long time, it must feel like it's you know the equivalent to us of raining for five or six years in that kid's life. <laughs> he doesn't know that it's crap yet though okay you know I'd say he's a fair idea somehow (laughs) everybody's miserable oh my god it's absolutely miserable miserable never stops stops. yeah Richie had I mean working from home he'd planned a summer out the back garden he he had thought he was going to be a bronzed Adonis by now You're, you're, you're sitting in there miserable as us I am, yeah. I still have the shorts on um, because, you know, you don't, like. there's no point in going out in the rain wearing trousers because your lower leg is just going to become soaked. So yeah. you might as well just have them being readily wipeable. Um, but like, no, the, the back garden is falling into disrepair because the, the weather has been catmalogian for the last few weeks. We're into, mm. was it the summer of 2007 where it incessantly yes. rained? That was the worst were, Yeah, People were blaming re- the summer of Rihanna for, for her cursing. Uh, that summer by releasing Umbrella and then it piddled down for two months Garden's um, in bits he's dead right what are we blaming Garden is yeah. in bits can't keep it it's just there's no there's no like there's no looking after in this weather you know as in cutting the grass well, I don't even just really have grass it's just like the yeah. weeding and the kind of like the sort of like oh, just yeah. keeping it looking it's best yeah and would you be a good man to go out and weed I just have to do it every now and then you know okay just like it's part of the job yeah, well, the Irish rugby team will be in Portugal 
and then they come back <laughs> and they play England and then they go to Biarritz for another week oh nice yeah. I know jeez yeah. like, so, as uh, I'm not sure I still think I'd sit here like talking about sport in the rain rather than getting like pre-season training for a World Cup and getting like lads running into you well maybe I mean they're, they're built for it they don't even feel it you know <laughs> it was interesting Paul O'Connell was comparing in his press conference yesterday the difference in preparation he was obviously there from what 03 World Cup to 15 and he was talking about in the early days it was just running you'd run yourself into the ground you don't have to think about anything do anything he said you just uh, run 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 and then you move on to conditioning And he says what it's moved on to now in 2023 is lots of ball in hand and lots of matches with different constraints on them to make it either easier to break down a defence or harder different scenarios all that stuff mm. is, is where they are the 07 team I feel just went to the gym for six months that summer felt like that was the era alright yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah gym and pasta early skin tight jerseys as well don't forget yeah. you know they had to kind of like they, you, you, when you think of that really dark green jersey you think of like Jerry Flannery being like you know it just wrapped around his arms you know and you think geez rugby players didn't used to look like that mm. but uh, I think those days are slightly past yeah it did seem that way Rory O'Connor and Fiona Hayes will explain all after 8 o'clock Gavin Casey is with us this hour it's your first story Richie so <laughs> we have the date yeah, we do. Katie Taylor's rematch with Chantelle Cameron has been confirmed today for Dublin's Three Arena on November the 25th. Cameron's undisputed super lightweight titles will once again be on the line, but Taylor's lightweight titles won't. She inflicted a first career defeat upon Katie Taylor when they first squared off at the same venue back in May. So I know boxers tend to talk a good game in advance, but the early word from Cameron, going into November 25th, I'm more prepared this time. I know what it feels like now and I'm going to go in there with more aggression, more energy. I'm confident I'll get the job done in better fashion. I'm going to be a lot better this rematch. In the gym, we're correcting the mistakes I made last time. I think I'm all wrong for Katie. That's <laughs> ominous. That she was pretty talk. good the last time, she I was. thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I was saying this only a couple of weeks ago when we thought this fight was whatever level of confirmation we were at a couple of weeks ago, that I do think Katie will be better as well. And she's someone that like we really do have to be wary of writing off. And, you know, every time she's been asked the question in the past, she's come up to it. But, you know, I think Chantelle Cameron is possibly, I do, I do think a lot of the analysis of the last fight and even in the build-up, and you know, you're talking to Gavin Casey, he was one of the ones who was saying it to us on the show beforehand when we didn't want to listen, mm. is that she is not the opponent that suits Katie Taylor in terms of styles and that's going to be no different this time and if she's all the more doubly motivated and so on then that doesn't bode well but yeah, wouldn't rule out, out Katie for sure No you couldn't I suppose Gavin Casey with us this hour to chat through uh, boxing. Just to make things yeah. more fun on that one as well, it also clashes with another Leinster date in the Aviva. <laughs> so Leinster are playing Munster uh, that evening in the URC. Uh, so much like the Champions Cup final being on the same night as the original fight, uh, there's another Aviva date for attendees to contend with in terms of accommodation and uh, celebration and all that goes around with it. Okay, kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, I guess there's always a Leinster match on in November. So, you know, your odds were good. Leinster Monster at the Aviva though there is that there is that it's a touch <laughs> more high profile I'll give you that so the FAI have been talking Rich 
Yeah, they released a statement today saying they'll undertake a full and comprehensive review of the Republic of Ireland's World Cup campaign. It's likely that review will include discussions regarding the future of manager Vera Pau. Pau and her squad arrive back into Dublin Airport today with an official homecoming planned for O'Connell Street tomorrow evening. Defender Niamh Fahimi is considering her international future. The Liverpool captain says if she does retire from the international game now, she couldn't pick a better time. We never get much info on what the review will entail. It's full and comprehensive. Yeah. It will entail everything. <laughs> so we're not going to tell you how it's been done and we're not going to publish it, but it's being done, trust us. It's, I understand them not being able to publish it. Come here, I'm sure they were just asked and, and, and answered and there's a review scheduled for every World Cup ever, but doesn't a full and com- we will undertake a full and comprehensive review suggest negativity? Um, where there might not even be I, I don't mean it, it, it suggested that it is necessarily it's just the the, the um, it, it feels from the outside I suppose you look at the sheer, perception is that yeah. it's negative you know there was a stark nature to the email as well because it just came in under the title FAI statement okay. and it started off with mentioning looking forward to welcoming the team home with the official homecoming now they released a separate um uh, press release last night talking about that anyway so that wasn't news but the fact that this full and comprehensive review suddenly got tacked on at the end does seem to be news and if okay. you are Vera Pau it does appear to be ominous mm. as regards what's coming Okay There was a shock today Certainly was uh, probably a couple of them Jamaica helped cause one of the shocks of the World Cup by dumping Brazil out of the competition today the sides played out a goalless draw in Melbourne which was enough for Jamaica to progress to the last 16 as Group F runners up that game was Brazilian legend Marta's last for her country having played at six World Cups and won 174 caps Jamaica boss Lauren Donaldson hopes their progress can inspire more investment in the women's game back home It's a little things we still don't have the big things most of the time we can't find a place to train to practice you know we have to search hard the big countries will have this and big you know good facilities to train we don't unless we travel so i mean so that's still going to be there unless you know our federation or the government put it in i mean good thing we have somebody like Asidella marley who i think will do something for jamaica but i would like to see the rest of the countries the 80s of the world and some of these countries get the same thing we don't have it yet i'm just hoping that you know, maybe Jamaica do something and people say, oh, if Jamaica can do it, we can do it. So, yeah, but so the big country, we still have the stuff because they have the money. We, we're we not going to get the money. I mean, from the big sponsorship, whether it's Adidas or Nike or whatever it is, they're going to give them more money than they give us. Okay, I mean, I mean, what we get from, so, I mean, I, you know, so from Adidas sponsorship, it's, you know, it's, it's a pittance compared to what they will give a bigger country. So... We have to just keep plugging away. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's an interesting perspective he's got, but I do find the overall thing of like Jamaica being able to compete with Brazil and ultimately knocking them out of the World Cup, it'd be such a shock, obviously, in the men's game. But in the women's like game, which is still a developing sport in many ways, you expect the big nations to just have that natural head start and to be and fair enough maybe there's a there's a um, a culture thing say in North America that might be different than the rest of the world America and Canada maybe that maybe that goes into Jamaica somewhat but uh, you would expect like just because we're at this stage of development with the game that someone like Brazil would just be naturally strong mm. and then maybe that changes over time as, as the game gets bigger and bigger so I think it's interesting that Brazil and Argentina both went out today and it does suggest to me like that is the case in Europe. The strong nations are England and Germany and Spain and the Netherlands, you know. 
Um, but in uh, South America, that's obviously not the case. And it just does show you that there's probably just such a lack of emphasis on the women's game. And there might be a, maybe some old school attitudes and kind of a machismo element to it that, that it isn't an encouraged thing. And I think that's something that I presume FIFA will be looking at in a kind of, a, not a worried way, but I would say they will want South American teams to be a part of this story mm. as it, t- it gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. Uh, France did their thing today, Richie. Yeah, they did. They finished top of uh, Group F following a 6-3 win over Panama. While an injury time goal saw South Africa beat Italy to qualify for the second round as Group G runners-up, they'll play the Netherlands in Sydney on Sunday. Sweden were confirmed as the United States' last 16 opponents with their 2-0 defeat of Argentina, seeing them come out on top of their group. South Africa manager Desiree Ellis was overjoyed by her team's efforts today. This is for everyone, and I said I want them to go to work smiling in their cars because we know the game started at 9 a.m. This is for all the coaches out there in the league that have played their part. This is for the coaches that have come before. This is for everybody involved in women's football because they have played their part, the players that have come before. I remember when we won WEFCON, Amanda Lamini said to me, it's personal and it is personal. This is for everyone that has put in, but this is more so for the players who have really, really put the work in, who have really, really worked so, so hard. And yesterday I said, to you about the breadwinner and the breadwinner came through today for us and it shows the warriors that these players are it shows the resilience that they have and tonight I said we gave everything against Sweden we gave everything against Argentina but we've got to give more we've got to give more because it's about how badly do you want this and they wanted it so so bad Rich mentioned USA Sweden on Sunday in Melbourne We're going to talk to Sandra Herrera of CBS later on about the US team. They obviously arrived pre-tournament as favourites, team to beat, going for an unprecedented three in a row. And they've been decidedly average, especially in front of goal. Their last two matches, they managed one goal against the Dutch in a draw and then a dismal showing against Portugal yesterday, nil-all draw. Portugal hit the post late on. It could have actually sent the US out of the competition. And so they're not quite sure what's going wrong, but something's going wrong. And we'll chat to Sandra about that. But there's a, a distinct possibility they'll struggle against Sweden and yeah, the the tournament. It's some match for the first knockout round, isn't it? Like that should actually get people seriously into the tournament from yeah. a neutral's point of view. Obviously, you've had a Ryan in Ireland, but now it's like there are teams to watch as we get into the knockouts. And Sweden, who we obviously know very well, and America is some match. And like, I don't know, Richie, you probably have looked at this more than I have. And But like, it would seem to me on form alone, Sweden would be favourites in that game, regardless of where America started the tournament. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely should be. Sweden have been uh, really, really calm and composed throughout the entire uh, three games that they've had so far that that don't really appear ruffled by anything that they've featured so far. Now, granted, the United States are going to be a step up uh, from what they've come through in their group already. But like like I mentioned last night, and I'll say it again today, US have been so flat and so lacking and they have been so blunt up, up top that you would worry if you're a United States fan. But there is a muscle memory that goes along with being in these kind of competitions and being in the latter stages of them so frequently like they have been and winning them like they have been over the course of the last decade so I wouldn't necessarily write them off like it's going to be it is going to be probably the, the, the tie of the second round and, and might even be close but I wouldn't discount America completely because if they do click 
by God, there'll be other teams and a lot of teams in that competition be in trouble if they do. Yeah. Well, we'll chat about it later on in the show. Uh, next, Richie, you got swimming for us? Yeah, Nicole Turner and Barry McClements are both gunning for medals tonight at the Paris Swimming World Championships. Turner competes in the women's 200 metre individual medley S6 final. and That will be the next race in the pool in Manchester, while McClements set a new personal best in this morning's 100 metre butterfly heats and his final is due in the pool at 20 to 9 in Manchester, but they are running behind time already, so that'll be uh, probably closer to 9 o'clock or just about after it. I would, by the way, recommend on the swimming theme our interview yesterday with Daniel Whiffen, 22 years of age, fourth in two World Championship finals and really gunning for a medal at the Olympics next year. Gold. Maybe, yeah, very possibly. We hadn't spoken to him before. No. Bit of a star. He's a bit of crack, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it was one point it was like uh, who, if you study the game uh, who's got the best swimming stroke of in swimming at the moment years, yeah. of yeah. the last 20 years of the last 20 years sorry okay, yeah, yeah. so including Michael Phelps yeah yeah including them all because um, <laughs> Daniel's a student of the sport yeah. so he, he, he understands perfect technique his answer he said I think mine is the best of the last 20 years <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he, was he was brilliant there was, a, there was such a refreshing uh, I don't know if honesty or if he is just having a bit of fun no I think was, it was honesty because yeah. we, we asked like do you, did you have posters of Phelps up in your room like were you that kind of kid he's like no I have posters of myself up in the room <laughs> again he didn't mean it as a joke he just obviously had posters of himself swimming up and thinks he's the best swimming stroke of the last 20 years and I, who am I to disagree with that he knows more than I do so I'd give it a, a mention as we're checking out Daniel Whiff and, and yeah. he could become a very big figure in Irish sport over the next 12 months off the ball daily feed if you're looking it up very good so news on Offaly footballer or yeah, see, new, sorry, new sorry not Offaly footballer Offaly football manager well, yeah, the footballers need a new manager because Martin Murphy has decided to step down. He was promoted from his role as selector following the sudden death of Liam Kearns in March. Murphy guided Offaly to a Leinster championship win over Meath, only losing their provincial semi-final to Louth after extra time. But they had a disappointing Talton Cup campaign and he'd been asked to stay on for 2024 by Michael Dignan, but declined due to circumstances he described as being beyond his control. Uh, Texting... Lads, really enjoyed the GA chat last night. More of that, please, Sean in Selbridge. Yeah, I guess we'll try and keep doing more GA. I guess it's it's tricky now. The, se- the inter-county season is over. We had Marsh Brosnan from the Irish Examiner, Mick Foley from the Sunday Times and Colm Keyes from the Irish Independent just reviewing the men's football championship uh, senior season that was. A really good chat. I guess what jumped out as we went on in part two was I, I don't think none of the lads would be prone to sensationalism by any means and yet they all really feel that the game the style of football that we're seeing is in a very serious uh, situation and so, uh, like Mick Foley said I think direct action needs to be taken now it's 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 that bad in too many games yeah so much so that Colin Key said that 13 men aside or less people on the on, yeah. on the pitch is the way forward which is like it's that sounds drastic in itself but when you consider like every time we talk about rule changes there is a kind of a, a pushback in you know unintended consequences let's not worry too much about rule changes we need constant and it's like you know these boys would be among the most thoughtful and would be considering all the unintended consequences and to yet still suggest that mm. shows that there is a real real issue and I think you put your finger on it Joe and look we can talk about it it's like I'll always have an interest in the game and something like Dublin Kerry or whatever will always will always grip me and will always bring me along but it doesn't change the fact that, like yourself and like you mentioned last night, for most of the season I was watching games bored. Mm. 
And that doesn't mean that I don't understand it. And it doesn't mean that, like, you know, I'm not a realist and I don't understand why teams need to play defensively. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm not entertained or enjoying watching this sport at the moment, yeah. for the most part. It doesn't mean it's every game. Yeah, I was quite struck because the lads, obviously adore their GAA they're immersed in it I, I fully expected when I asked the question about style of play and the complaints this year I thought they would say ah, it's no worse than many 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 other seasons yeah. I was quite struck by the fact that they all were in agreement that it's not in a good place and made the point that ironically players are now in the main two footed brilliant handling skills fitness off the charts incredibly mm. organised as a team which is in part the problem the coaching is so thorough now the teams are so organised you don't see as many mistakes which again is to all the players and management credit but the ironic point is it makes the spectacle far too often just a little dead yeah so. and not to rehash it completely but I thought one of the more interesting points that uh, Morris Brosnan was talking about was that you know we so often kind of say it's hand passing let's ban hand passing things are just so far beyond that he was saying that in the six minutes that Roscommon had the ball it was basically a ratio of one to one for yeah. hand passing and foot passing like I meant to check actually how many of those kicks were forward I'd say very few yeah but our solutions are so 10 years ago I think as well you know what I mean so much has changed in the culture of how teams play Look, I think we saw in some ways, even though it wasn't like the highest quality and so on, I think we saw in terms of intention, we saw the best of it at the weekend. We still saw a little bit of lateral play from Kerry, I would say, but nothing extreme, nothing that kind of brought the game down. Dublin were very direct and it can still be played like that. And they're the two teams in the All-Ireland final. And that's what I don't understand is how it, it seems to be that like there's a limit of mediocrity of maybe like Division One, top eight kind of level that can be achieved by that style of football mm. but yet it is still what so many strive for yeah like there were definitely lots of games where we saw an attacking verve Derry took the game to Kerry in an unexpected way and it made for maybe the game of the championship I thought Derry Kerry was the, great and the most pre-maligned game of the, of the season well, as well and it was nearly the best game well exactly yeah. and obviously Dublin Mayo very direct kick passing in um, but like I, it's very easy for us to sit here and, and, and look at it from our perspective I mean if you're coaching a team you're, you're staying in the game you're being as competitive as possible you're not doing anything wrong whatsoever so it's, you know it's, it's difficult to suddenly impose just, a new set of rules and yeah. say just, just for our entertainment and we'll, we'll see how it goes for a year or two and they might be the most important year or two of your career and, and we're just playing around with it in the hope that we get something a bit more exciting so you have to tread very carefully innovation well. will bring it on though it's like that's what I'm saying maybe we need rule change maybe we don't but like look at football in 2005 when it was Benitez versus Mourinho in the Champions League and you couldn't bear to watch another game and then you know Pep comes along and things gradually change and suddenly you know attacking football is far more important than defensive and pressing and so on which Gaelic football needs <laughs> in abundance yeah. especially at the moment becomes the uh, order of the day so like you know you just have to trust that evolution will happen and maybe we don't need too much hand wringing but at the same time it's like I'm I'm sick waiting for it to happen. Yeah. As a last thought, Morris Brosnan said, one of the rule changes could be that the tackle could become like it is in Aussie rules. And then, <laughs> he said that was an extreme example. I know, it's an yeah, extreme yeah. one, but then the logic being, well, then you would see teams really press. If you knew you could run over to Richie, wrap your arms around and throw him on the ground 
and then like I'm sure I'd manage yeah well I, I, two, we could both go over we'd double team him uh, then, great pleasure as well then you would see a fair degree of uh, improvement in the pressing front I don't know we're not going to sort it out in the midst of a news round we'll push on Richie so familiar face back in Dundalk yeah. Daryl Horgan says he was like a kid at Christmas when he had the chance to rejoin Dundalk the Republic of Ireland winger has returned to Oriel Park six years after initially leaving for Preston he was released by Wickham at the end of the last English season the second half of which he spent on loan at Stevenage Horgan won three league titles and an FAI Cup during his first spell at Dundalk yeah so won 17 caps in his time away it's like one of those like very good careers you know mm. but I think it's nice to see him back and it's, it's nice that someone is properly associated with a League of Ireland club when they come back like this. I, I would still say for most people listening, for me certainly, my best memories of Daryl Horgan are playing for Dundalk. Yeah. And that's not always the case with someone who goes away and becomes an international. Yeah, it's true. Uh, last couple of stories, Rich. Yeah, uh, staying at home, uh, Sligo Rovers' Danny Lafferty has had his six-match suspension cut down to four matches following his red card in Sligo's FAI Cup defeat to Drogheda. Shamrock Rovers manager Stephen Bradley has all but conceded their Conference League qualifier with Ferenc Varos. They'll resume 4-0 down tomorrow night after a disastrous trip to Budapest. Bradley says he'll have an eye on their weekend meeting with Cork City when he names his team tomorrow. Meanwhile, Drogheda manager Kevin Doherty has turned down the chance to manage Cork City. And Manchester City have agreed a €90 million Euro fee with Orbi Live for Joško Gvardiol the Croatian defender is to have a medical in England before the weekend Gvardiol's move will make him the most expensive defender of all time and Gianluigi Buffon the Italian goalkeeping legend has confirmed his retirement at the age of 45 he won the World Cup with Italy of course in 2006 10 count them Serie A titles at Juventus and the UEFA Cup with Parma it's believed he is quitting to take up a position with the Italian Football Federation he did have one year remaining on his contract with Parma to whom he had retired returned a year or so ago Parma gave him a two year contract <laughs> at 44 years old I, I, and I'd say it worked out fine <laughs> yeah what a career my goodness 45 like I mean can Stephen Cluxton get past Buffon's age and still be winning all Ireland with the dubs yes is of course the answer but it doesn't take anything away from Buffon's achievements no. what's Cluxton 42 next year mm. yeah ah, yeah Sandra past 45 <laughs> yeah another six in a row yeah we are pretty much out of time Richie thank you very much uh, yeah fifth for Nicole Turner by the way in that final so she's narrowly missed out uh, on a medal there in Manchester and uh, Barry McClemmons still to come but thank you yeah thank you Michael McCarthy cheers you cheers